For the real story, you're going to have to read the Bible um, or you'll miss out. I remember uh, when I started to develop my problem with authority and I really knew it was coming to its own. Uh, I was in middle school uh, on the track team and the coach told me that I had to be out there at a certain time to do these workouts and me and my buddy were always late to practice and late to doing it and then when we go out we had to do these horrible workouts called a fart lick. That's right, that's what it's called, it's called a fart lick. Any track people know that I'm not just trying to say the word fart in church. Um, and it's the really, really difficult like sprints, like 400 meters, you run like 100, and then you get to the 300 and you have to sprint the rest, and you did that like six or seven times. And like, they were so hard, I was like, I wanna do track, but I don't wanna do that. And so the coach sat us down and said, if you guys are late again and you don't do this again, then like you're, you're, you're gonna be kicked off the team. And I was like, whatever, and I did it again, and then he kicked me off the team. And I was like, see, what's wrong with him? Like something was wrong with him. You know what I mean? I look back now, that was Mr. Winters. He was a math teacher as well. And my senior year in high school, I talked to him and he was like, he, he like pulled me aside and he's like, you've really grown up a lot. And I had forgotten that he kicked me off the team. And I was like, man, I'm so sorry that I did that. I'm so sorry. But we all have this, like, if we're honest, like we have problems with authority. Like, uh, it comes in different ways, in different like, shapes and sizes. Sometimes it's a little more like uh, under the radar. Um, but then you have the obvious like, people that struggle with authority. Like, as soon as they see a police officer or something, they just say something like, oh, there they are. Get away from them. It's like, no, oh, that's like, kind of obvious. One of the most like, obvious things that, that proves that we all struggle with authority is what happened over the past year during the presidential election. Like, basically, there's two people that it comes down to. And one, in, in some people's mind, is going to change everything and make it better. And the other person is going to destroy everything. And some people actually bridge the gap and go, well, it's not good, but we'll do this one. But ultimately, we displayed on Facebook that we all struggle with authority. And that's the thing with authority is that, like, everybody looks at the one or the two people and they get heavily scrutinized. Their whole life gets parsed apart. Everything they've done good, everything they've done bad, all the in-between and we struggle with authority. Now, one of the reasons that we like, can get on board with some authority figures at times, especially politically, is I may have been in one political camp uh, you know, growing up or what I've been exposed to, but then when I realized that maybe a different political party affects people in a certain way that I didn't understand, um, it, big surprise, I'm like, I, you know, I'm, I'm privileged. You know? like, I, I come from privilege. I'm, white boy from the suburbs. I mean, like, you know, didn't understand what it really meant to, to live in the city or experience that type of loss, grew up in Worthington. And so there are some political parties and, and agendas and stuff that, that actually help people that I didn't realize needed help. And so then I can like get on board with different pol political parties because I'm going, oh, the, these people actually help people more. And so I can respond to authority a little bit differently when I realize that, you know, that person doesn't just necessarily help me or look out for me, but that person looks out for other people that need help too. But ultimately, at, at, like, a, at like a heart of, of all of us, whether it's with our parents growing up, like I remember like a little, you love, you trust your parents, and then like they tell you to, you know, do something different or change or give you some boundaries or give you some rules. And as long as the disparity between what you think you should do and what they think you should do gets wider and wider and wider, it ultimately just becomes their fault. 
I mean, how many of us had parents that gave us rules and boundaries? And I, I, I look back on that. My, my dad was like, you know, raised Roman Catholic and a Marine in the Marines, once a Marine, always a Marine, not as lean, not as mean, still Marine. Um, but like, he, he was strict, but he was actually still like, he still, when I was 18 and lived at home, he's like, your curfew, why you still live here is midnight. And I remember just being like, that is horrible. You're trying to ruin my life. And I look back on that now, I'm like, that is very reasonable. <laughs> like, I, I, you know, this is very reasonable. So what was the issue? The issue is I had a problem with authority. I have a problem with someone telling me to do something that I don't want to do. And the story of Jonah is a story of someone who has a problem with authority. It's a story of someone who ultimately looks at their life and goes, I don't think that God understands what should happen in my life. So I have a problem with authority. Now, if you don't have a problem with authority, then you know, this might not resonate with you, but maybe you'll see that as you kind of look through this that you can connect on some level to where you might have a problem. Maybe it's even just in that submissive, mutual submissive relationship in your, in your marriage where you know, at times you need to kind of let someone else take the wheel and lead and you have a problem when someone else tells you what to do or maybe it's at work where your boss keeps telling you what to do and, and maybe they're telling you to do the right thing but you can't see the forest or the trees because it's just them and the way they are. Maybe it's your mom or your dad. Maybe it is the church and maybe it is God. And one of the things that we're looking at in this, in this story, we talked about this last week, is that the very first verse of the book of Jonah, it says the word of the Lord came to Jonah. And that means that God speaks, that God is actually speaking. The creator of heaven and earth has been speaking since the beginning. He spoke the world into existence He's been communicating through different means all throughout human history, and now through the process of the, the Holy Spirit, which we talked a little bit about last week, he is still speaking to you and to me. That's amazing. And if you're not looking for that, you might miss it. Believing that God speaks is the beginning of living what God speaks. Like if you don't think that God is saying something, he has something to say, you might miss what he has for your life. In minor detail, what we're talking about is Someone who is ultimately spoken to and is brought into God's plan. Now, you may have heard this in church before, but imagine that God has a plan for everything. Just, just sit in that for a second. Raise your hand if you have a plan for what you're going to do tomorrow morning. Yeah. I mean, everyone has a plan, even if it's the non-plan plan. You're still planning on not planning anything. And some people have plans already for, for summer. Some people have plans to go to a school in the fall, wherever you're going to college, maybe. Some of you have, some of us have plans. I have plans. It's, this is not typical. Usually I'm maybe three or four months out in terms of plans, like on my calendar. I actually have in my calendar a plan to speak at a camp in 2018. That's a pretty far out, that's more than a year. But we all have plans, and we all drive that plan and work that plan. Imagine the God of the universe has a plan, the same way that you have a plan, except he knows everything that's gonna happen, 
He's working all of it together for the best possible reason, and you fit into it. He has a plan. Now, if you don't believe in God, and you don't believe that he is good, then him having a plan might upset you. And in fact, when you have bad things happen to you or bad things happen around you, you might think, well, God doesn't know what he's doing. But the reality is, is that God can see everything. He knows everything. He's outside of time and space. He's the beginning. He's the end. He has no boundary. And he knows how everything is working together. And I had a professor in college say this one time. I'm going to say this, and it's a little bit dramatic. Like, I would never just kind of just raw, like come at you hardcore with this, but I want to I just put this in front of you and let you kind of uh, just take this in. I had a professor that said, if you sit down for lunch, so today, when you guys go to lunch, wherever you go after church, home, or if you go out, he said this. He said, if you have a problem with the food on your plate, then you have a problem with God. And it's like, whoa. And I'm like, I'm thinking, man, I got a serious problem with God. Because when I go to North Star and they put scallions on my pad thai, I send it back. I hate scallions and I hate onions and anything else in between. And I'm paying $42 for it, so just get me a new one. But like, what he was trying to say is that God has this plan. And pieces of it end up right in front of every single one of us. And if we look at that at face value and don't like it, we're lacking the perspective of faith that it takes to understand that in God's plan, whatever he's putting in front of us, he's created it, it's it's, it's right, we can trust it. And there are some people that I know that no matter what happens, when the worst thing in life gets served to them, they still have a peace because they've understood that through it all, God masterfully weaves things together because he has a plan. But one of the most freeing things in the world is not for me to tell you if you don't like what's on your plate, then you have a problem with God as if to make you feel bad. But to actually give you freedom. To give you the freedom because I gotta be honest with you. If you like everything in your life, if you love all the circumstances, if you are so happy with all your relationships, if you're so happy with your job, your family, your kids, everything in your life, your circumstances, your health, if you're happy with all of it and you believe that God put it there, even the good and the bad, then you have a measure of faith that is incredible. And I've not met very many people like that. And I gotta tell you, I'm not one of those people. One of the most freeing things in the world is to just admit this. I have a problem with God. Just just let me back it up. God is totally in control. God has a plan. Sometimes things happen in that plan that I don't like. And I struggle trusting that he knows what's best for me more than I do. That's honest. And so I think one of the best things you can do is just let's start from this like baseline of like, you know what? I do get frustrated. 
I do not like some of the circumstances. I don't like the way this person is, or I don't like the way I am, or I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. I have things, and it's like, just to be honest, like, can you be honest before God and be like, God, sometimes I struggle to trust your plan. Sometimes I struggle to do what you call me to do. Sometimes I struggle to rest in my circumstances. I think that's honest. And I need a measure of faith and a measure of God's perspective or something to tip me into a space where I go, I'm gonna do what God asked me to do. I'm gonna accept the meal. I'm gonna do what he said. I'm gonna walk his path. I'm gonna do it. And for me, it's a tough thing to get there. Because God is gonna put something in front of you the same way he put in front of Jonah. Jonah, go to Nineveh. And obviously the story of Jonah going to Nineveh is I don't wanna go to Nineveh. And then he flees from God. He ends up getting swallowed by a fish. Then he tells Jonah again, go to Nineveh. He ultimately goes and the people of Nineveh turn their lives around and follow God. And then Jonah ends up still angry. And so the story is like, how are we supposed to get to this place where we're okay with God's plan? How do we get to that place where we're like, I'm okay with you, I'll do what you want me to do, even if I don't like it? Because every single one of us has to like, look at what God is asking us to do. Now you can just take a minute and think about like, what is God asking you to do? For some of you, you don't have a relationship with God and he's coming after you and he wants you to seek him and he wants you to know him and he wants you to have a relationship with him that can only come through Jesus Christ, a relationship with Jesus Christ, embracing Jesus Christ. And when you do, that's the first step towards following. But every single one of us throughout the rest of our lives in Christ, we have to make a decision if we're gonna follow what he asks us to do, which is to embrace the plan, embrace the meal, embrace wherever he's asked us to go, to be obedient, to give up certain things, to sacrifice certain things, to endure hardship, to stay patient, to agree, whatever it is that we know, we look at the scriptures and it tells us how we're supposed to behave, to be patient, to be kind, to be good, to be gentle, to be faithful, to be long-suffering. We start to look at all that and go, am I gonna follow God? Or am I gonna be like Jonah and I'm gonna flee because I'm basically going, I don't want anything to do with this. And there's one like major thing, there's a couple little things, but there's one major thing that has tipped me over to being able to embrace God's meal, God's plan, God's direction for my life, even when I have a problem with him. So let's just get this straight. There will come a time in your life where you are like Jonah. And we'll talk about why Jonah doesn't wanna go to Nineveh in a minute. But there will come a time when he will say, here is what I want you to do, or here is what I want you to not do do. And when you look at it at face value, because we struggle with authority, at times we will want to send it back. No, God. Or like Jonah, flee. Uh Uh-uh, I'm out of here. I'm getting out of here. I'm not doing this. But the thing that has tipped me, that helps me, and not all the time, is something that has to do with the nature of my plan as it relates to other people. Because when I know that God is not just calling me to do something, 
but he's calling me to be someone or do something that affects a bunch of people. It puts me in a new frame of mind. And what you will find is Jonah was called to go to Nineveh. And Jonah, a lot of us don't know this, but he was a prophet already to the people of Israel. And he was a failing, floundering prophet. Like he was a guy that wasn't really well known. He wasn't really listened to. He wasn't that great. And then God comes along and says, Jonah, go to Nineveh. And he's like, I don't want to go to Nineveh. And God's like, yeah, but like Jonah, this is not just about you. You see, Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh because Jonah had beef with God and beef with Nineveh. But the reality is, is that God's plan for Jonah was not just for Jonah. It was for the people of Nineveh. And what changes you and your perspective of the plan is to look past the fact that God is not just calling you or saying to you or asking you to do something or not do something just for you. None of God's plans, none of God's meals, none of his directions in our life are just for you to learn something. It's so much bigger. And if you can learn this, then what you can do is you can start to try to look at whatever gets put in front of you, this thing that, 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 that I've learned, and go, okay, I'll endure. Okay, I'll do it. And it's this simple thing. God's plan for you is for others too. God's plan for you is for others too. You see, God calls Jonah to go to Nineveh. And he doesn't just call him to go to Nineveh for Jonah so that we can all have a great story. He calls him to go to Nineveh because God cares about all people and he wants the people who are outside of Israel to also have a relationship with God. And so basically you could rewrite this story as you know, the story of Jonah going to Nineveh. It's like, hey, God says, Jonah, go to Nineveh. And, God, and Jonah says, I don't want to go to Nineveh. And God says this, and this is the most important thing that some of us could ever learn, is that it's not about you, Jonah. God might just say, hey, Jonah, I'm not just asking you to do something because it's for you. I'm asking you to do something because I have something for you to do that affects a bunch of other people in your life. And I will tell you that there are times when what's in front of me doesn't look fun or doesn't look like God knows what he's doing. But when I realize that if I listen to God, that it affects other people the way that God wants them to be affected, it helps me embrace the meal a little bit more. Let me just recap this whole narrative as we look at the book of Jonah. And I want to encourage everyone, it's only four chapters in the Old Testament to read the entire book of Jonah so you can see in greater detail what I'm really talking about. But God calls Jonah to go to Nineveh. And it says this in Jonah chapter 1. It says, but Jonah ran away from the Lord. Jonah ran away from the Lord. Hey, Jonah, go to Nineveh. He runs the other direction. I mean, he's just thinking like, I don't want to go to Nineveh. He, all he's thinking is, I don't want to go to Nineveh. You see, the, the, the picture of Jonah that a lot of us miss is that Jonah actually has a problem with the love of God. And you'll see that. He has a problem with God's goodness. He runs away and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship. He's running away. 
He's going out of his way to not do what God wants him to do because he's completely lost track of the fact that God has something bigger. So he's running. Some of us this morning are running from God. God has asked you to do something for specifically. And you have it in your mind, I don't want to do that. I don't like this meal. I don't want to be that way. And so you are on a, a heading to Spain. This is actually where he was trying to go. Hundreds of miles away. He thought that by running away from God, that he could run away from God's plan for his life. Can I tell you what running from God is like? It's like running on a treadmill. A lot of work and you get nowhere. It's a lot of work and you don't go anywhere. You just stand there and you just lose your life and you're running from God. And he ends up in the belly of a fish with seaweed wrapped around his head. I have some brothers who have totally left the faith Real brothers, not brothers in the Lord. I have some brothers in the Lord, too, that left the faith. And I have some friends who, like, followed God, and then now they're running from God. And I have ran into them at times. And, and if you're a follower of Christ, you know this, and maybe this has been you. But have you ever run into someone? Because what happens is, is he runs from the Lord, and he ends up being swallowed by fish, and then he He's like down there and it says in his prayer in Jonah chapter two that he has seaweed wrapped around his head. This is what happens when you run from God. You start looking all funky and weird. And everyone knows, they walk up to you. And there's been times in my life where I've been battling what God has put in front of me. I've been battling, and in a sense, you could say I've been running from God, and, and I wear it in my countenance. You walk up to me, and I've had friends that know me put their hand on my shoulder and go, dude, are you okay? In other words, you got seaweed all over your face, man. What are you doing? Because I'm wrestling. He's running from God, and he wants to flee from the Lord. Then what happens is, is he... he he goes on this boat, there's a big storm, they throw him off of the boat, he essentially commits suicide. I mean, that's really what he's doing. Go read the story. He doesn't jump into the water knowing, thank God there's a fish down there that's gonna swallow me up. They believe that the storm has come to them because he is running from God. Because he gets on the boat, and they're like, hey, why are you going to Spain? And he's like, well, I'm running from God. And they're like, oh, interesting, your God must be like very local. And then they realize that like, while the storm comes that their God is bigger and crazy stuff is happening. So now it's like, dude, he's sleeping. You read about it, he falls asleep. It's another thing. You can see people that are running from God and they're totally inoculated to what's really going on around them. There's all this pain and all these problems and they're just asleep. They're just in their own world. In Jonah's mind, it was just all about him. All about me, running from God, I don't care. I'm not seeing the bigger picture here. I'm not seeing that God's plan for me is about other people. I'm seeing that I don't wanna go to Nineveh, so I'm sleeping. Depression at its highest level sets in with Jonah. And then they go, dude, your God has caused this. So he says, fine, if it's me, throw me over. He commits suicide. And then he gets swallowed by a fish, and then in the depths of running from God, God speaks to him. 
he prays to God. He says, I'll stop worshiping idols. I'll stop worshiping me. When he gets to that moment, literally ocean rock bottom, he gets spewed back out onto the side of the, the beach and then the word of the Lord comes to him again. It's a beautiful thing, right? So amazing, the grace of God. And the word of the Lord, chapter one, verse one, comes to Jonah. Then we see later in chapter three, and the word of the Lord came to Jonah again. And he went and he spoke what God told him to speak in Nineveh. And when he does that, all of the people turn their lives around. Jonah's done what God wants him to do and he's saying, this isn't just about me, this is about these people. It says this, in chapter three, when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction that he had threatened them. God relented. God gave them a message through Jonah and he was gonna destroy them because they were turning their backs from God. It's a fascinating story. Here's one of God's people who, who he calls and then God's person, Jonah, turns his back on him and then he's sending a person that turned his back on him to go get a nation that's turned their back on him. And then when the one guy goes and listens to God, now the nation listens to God. Can I tell you that God's plan is not just for you, it's for others too. It will affect people when you do what God says. But what we see is that Jonah's heart actually never gets there. Look what happens in chapter four after these people turn their hearts back over to God. But Jonah, but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. To Jonah, people's lives being affected in a positive way seemed wrong. Now, the, the story of the Ninevites, we talked a little bit about this last week. The Ninevites were brutal. They would skin people alive. They were awful. They were, would impale people and have them sitting through the city. And in Jonah's mind, these people, think about it. This is a person who turned from the voice of God, and yet he was better than the people who didn't have a relationship with God. His pride, his arrogance, his belief that God didn't know what he's doing. Ultimately, what you see here is that Jonah has a problem with the main authority in his life. He's going, God, you don't know what you're doing. I have a problem with you. I don't like this meal. I don't like your grace. This is an overwhelming commentary on where we can get when we believe that we are the center of the world. When we believe I'm the center, we think that what God is doing in the plan and all the different things that happen in our lives, God's messed up. God sends Jonah to Nineveh. Think about this. He rejects him. Then he saves his life after attempted suicide in the belly of a fish. He gets a second chance. He goes and has huge impact. Jonah wasn't successful up to this point. Now he's a successful prophet. Everybody's listening to him, and he's still thinks this is very wrong. It's crazy. It's because we are the kind of people who are so locked up in us that we can't see what God wants to do through us. God's plan for you is about others too, man. Can you get past what you don't like so that you might bring something wonderful to other people? 
Can you get past what may be difficult? Can you endure discomfort? Can you endure some pain? Because maybe you'll bring something wonderful to other people. And he became angry. He prayed to the Lord. That's, that's, a, that's a euphemism for saying he yelled at God. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. This is him saying, God, you don't know what you're doing. There's no way these evil people deserve the grace of God. He goes on, I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. And then God says, is it right for you to be angry? Look what Jonah says about God. Look what Jonah understands about the goodness of God, yet he can't see that he's supposed to be a portrayer and a giver of that same goodness. I know you're gracious. I know you're compassionate. I know you're all these wonderful things. And in Jonah's mind, you have to get this. What he's thinking is in all of that goodness and all of that graciousness and all of that compassion, that's for me, not for them. Can you see that God's plan is about other people? That like he's gonna use you? And even if your heart is hard, look at the story of Jonah. He goes and does what God says with a hard heart and God uses him. God uses him anyway. You see, what happens when we follow our plan is we hurt ourselves and we hurt others. If Jonah doesn't go to Nineveh, then the Ninevites are in destruction. When, when, we, when, when we don't do what God is asking us to do, he's asking us to do something, he's telling us to do something, he's, he's moving in our lives. We start to destroy ourselves. There's passages of scripture that talk about the repercussions of disobedience to God. That it can break down your mind. That it can literally break down your body. It can make you tired. It can make you frail. When you run from God, it can destroy you. And then when you run from God, you're missing the fact that what he has for you is to affect other people too. And when we do follow God's plan, when we follow God's plan, we lose ourselves first help others, and then we find ourselves. You see, the story of, of faith in God is this cosmic upside-down kingdom where Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you have to lose your life, and then you will gain it. You have to take up your cross, which is die, and then follow me. Essentially, like the wormhole to life is through death. And you give up your life and you serve. And then by serving and by thinking, okay, my life exists for other people. I'm here to love other people. Like God's plan for me is not just for me, it's for others too. And then I'm gonna do, and then you find your life on the other side of that obedience. The only way to do that is to have a faith that is very difficult to come by until you believe the story of Jesus Christ on the cross and how he died and rose from the dead. Then you can look, here's the ultimate surrender of the will. Jesus Christ, he was in a garden and he said, God, I don't want 
to go through death on a cross. And he says, not my will, but your will. Because your plan for me, God, is to lose my life. But so that others would benefit from my death, I will die. I know it's heavy. I know it's a lot. But what I'm asking you to consider is just this minor detail. That maybe the plan that God has for you. Maybe, maybe your problem with authority, maybe your, your disbelief in the faithfulness of God and the sovereignty of God, which means that he understands all things and works things together. Maybe all that can be brought back together if you would consider that when you obey him, you will affect others the way that he has planned from the beginning. When our church first started seven years ago, there was a family um, mom, dad, three kids, little kids, all in elementary school. And they sat with me when the church first started and they loved me and I loved them and I'd known them. But they asked me very, very poignantly, Joel, we wanna make sure that if we join this church, if we help build this church, if we commit to this church, that there's gonna be something for our kids. Now this is, this is before there was any church. There was no kids ministry. There was no even staff person. It was just me going, you should be a part of this. And they're going, well, we wanna make sure our kids have a place to grow up and to get healthy and to know God. And, and I looked at this person and I said, I promise you that that's my goal. And then a couple years in, a friend of, of, of our families tragically died and I was asked to do the funeral and so I needed someone to sing at the funeral and I had just heard about Amanda Burnich who was the one leading over here today and she had this CD of all this recording work that she'd done in a studio and someone gave it to me and said she can sing and she has a heart for God so I called Amanda and I said hey I know we've never done anything together I said, but would you be willing? I need some help. Like, would you sing at this funeral? And so she said, yeah. And that was the beginning of Amanda getting involved in the church. And then now she's on our team and she helps lead worship and she's been here for several years now. Well, after she was here for a little while, uh, two of her younger sisters, Justina and Nikki moved from out of state, from other places, to come be here to join with Amanda at the church doing, just being here and being around Amanda. Now, both of those sisters found their husbands here. You're welcome. <laughs> Actually, one of them is expecting a child tonight, her first. The other one, Nikki, Amanda's sister, she joined the church and got heavily involved in our church. And now she's on staff here. This week, I was with these friends that I had met seven years ago. And we were together and the father looked at me, he said, Joel, thank you. Thank you for this church. We're so proud to be a part of it, we love you. He goes, it means a lot. And I go, I go, yeah, of course. And he goes, no, really. He's like, our, our daughter loves it. And his daughter, 
who's in high school was sitting on the other side and he looked at her and I go, you love it? And she goes, I love it. And I said, what do you love about it? And she said, I love my small group. And she said, and I love my leaders. And I said, who are your leaders? And she said, Aubrey and Nikki. God said, if you listen, I mean, you see all the different pieces. At some point, God told me to do what I'm supposed to do. And then God told Amanda to do what she's supposed to do. And then her sisters responded to that. And God had been weaving this plan together for seven years so that I could look at this family and go, God has this plan. And if we all do what we're supposed to do, we're going to change kids' lives and families' lives, and we're going to be healthy. God's plan, I promise you, it's better for you, just for you, if you don't get anything else out of it. But it also exists outside of you to change people's lives around you. And Jesus Christ is the epitome of this story. He is the one who gave it all on the cross for you and me. The cross of Christ represents a God who humbled himself, not to just what he thinks, what he wants, his needs, but to the needs of his people. So let's stand up and pray, and we're gonna sing this song that we learned today, the cross of Christ, one more time. Let me pray for you guys. Father, it is the cross my only plea. Your blood that was shed, it delivers me, God. Your arms are open wide. We know you love us. We know you care about us. We know you've reached out to us, God. We know that when you did what God asked you to do, that we were the reason that the benefit that you would bring others was the reason you lost yourself. Father, I pray and thank you. Help us all to see that whatever we're struggling with this morning, whatever that thing is that God is asking us to do or that thing that he's asking us to not do, I pray, God, that every one of us would just stop in this moment and, and get whatever it is we need to push through because of who it's going to affect. God, use us. Use our stories as they enter to enter weave with everyone around us, God, to bring your plan to fruition. We love you. We worship you. We thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the cross of Christ.